Hello, and welcome to the Show Up Dad. This is a podcast for hardworking fathers looking to level up fathering skills and be more than just a paycheck or provider for the home. Today, our guest is Johnny Wilson from FathersNewMexico.org. Their mission and purpose to provide support, resources, and skills to promote healthy and responsible fathering in young families. Welcome to the podcast. I'm super stoked to have you on here today, and I just want to have you kick things off by you giving our audience a little history about yourself, Johnny. Right on, David. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate that a bunch. Um, yeah, so I, I was born uh, back in 67 up in Tacoma, Washington. And I was actually born to a young mother who back in that time uh, was unable to access uh, an abortion or uh, and really it wasn't like in her social milieu, it wasn't okay for her to have a baby at 17. Mm-hmm. And so she was sent to what used to be called unwed mother's homes, right? And, mm-hmm. um, and so I was born in uh, Tacoma General Hospital near the unwed mother's home and went on uh, to be adopted in the days or weeks, I don't really know, following my birth. Fantastic family adopted me. Um, and I grew up there east of Seattle and um, went off to school at Washington State University, spent a couple of years there and transferred up to Bellingham, Washington, to University of or, uh, to Western Washington University and got a political science degree there and uh, really wasn't sure what to do after school. Uh, and so I started working with um, a daycare program Um and a YMCA there in Whatcom County. And we had, we had kindergartners and we had um, after-school programs. And I, there just happened to be an opening in the kindergarten program. And I started working the kindergarten program and it was great. I mean, it was this incredible experience. Like I'd never thought of myself in that kind of a role, but, um, and I started learning not just about the kids, but I started to learn about the families and the different struggles and stresses that families appeared to have. I mean, I didn't get to know the parents really well, but I got some information. Anyway, it, it was a real good growth experience. So I, when I moved to Seattle a little while later, I uh, started working with um, adolescents in treatment centers. And then we got a lot of information about families and I got to know the guys really well. And, and it was a profound experience. I also did some work with um, uh, young women in transitional living situations going from childhood into adulthood and they were in a transitional living, living environment. And I uh, got to work with some young people that were um, living on the streets at the time in Seattle. Um, yeah, and then so I left Seattle in 93 and was like uh, living in a van by choice and cruising around the country and just sort of figuring, well, I better do this while I don't have a bunch of responsibilities. And I thought I'd travel for six months and really for the, I really ended up traveling about four years and um, mm-hmm. it was really beautiful. Learned a lot about America and the people in it. And, uh, and I came to New Mexico and then left and then came to New Mexico again and then left and then I came to New Mexico again and finally this time I stuck around and I worked in Santa Fe in northern New Mexico a lot of uh, building trades type stuff mm-hmm. um, and then uh, one day in uh, 97 uh, end of 97 
uh, I learned that the woman I was dating was going to have a child mm. and it was a sh shock. Uh, you know, hindsight, it probably shouldn't have been, but at the time, um, and, and, um, honestly, she, I, I was told that, um, I shouldn't contact her during that wow. time. And, and that was upsetting because mm -hmm. suddenly I realized, wow, okay. So apparently I have a child on the way and I'm not going to be permitted to be involved in this process in any way mm -hmm. but i did make the decision well you know there's nothing i can do legally or what would i do to force it previous to the birth of my child mm -hmm. but once my child was born i was going to be present and available for that child if a child of mine comes into the world that child's going to have a father is what i was thinking and it worked out actually her, she was born in 98 and, but before, and even before she was born, her mom contacted me and, and, uh, and said, you know, we, we should start talking, which was great. Yeah. And, um, and, and eventually actually we, we attempted to be a couple and live in the same house and that relationship didn't work out, but I did get to live with my new daughter for a period of time. And uh, yeah. And so I was a, parent and I and I was then a single parent after after that uh, when she was about one and um, I learned a lot about that and uh, and it was about that time I was doing uh, I got a, a job doing sexual health education work at Planned Parenthood of New Mexico and, and Planned Parenthood also joined with a couple other organizations at that time to start what was the New Mexico Young Fathers Project. Mm. which was a very forward thinking initiative. And that I thought I was really proud of my organization for getting involved and then super psyched when they asked me if I would uh, be on the team mm -hmm. working with young dads, which I, of course, was a new dad myself. I was psyched about, jumped yeah. into that. I opened a site in Santa Fe and worked in uh, juvenile corrections with young dads down here in Albuquerque. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and then, you know, after some time, I, I got uh, a different position and I kind of moved out of that work for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and then in 2014, uh, that project had been taken over by another organization, which unfortunately folded. And so the project went away. But the, one of the guys I had hired in Santa Fe uh, was not having that. When they shut down his site within 30 days, he had raised enough money to start what was at that time called Young Fathers of Santa Fe, which has evolved to being Fathers New Mexico. Mm -hmm. And when he found out I was leaving a job, he said, you got to come back and ex help us expand into Albuquerque, which I did. Mm -hmm. And then he tricked me and retired and I ended up as the executive director. <laughs> so you kind of just inherited this role, right? <laughs> yeah, sort of like that. That is so awesome. So we understand that your outreach is directed at young fathers, yeah. folks who become fathers in their teens. Can you share with the audience on how some of these young fathers have inspired you with their profound dedication, perseverance through challenging circumstances and consistent support for their children? Great start to this conversation, David, that the, the thing that people probably don't even realize that we do, like most people do, is make a bit of an assumption about young fathers, especially like teen age 
males that become fathers that uh, by and large their their inclination is to avoid the responsibility and um, you know uh, and fail yeah and the, and the truth is and I've met thousands of them so I can I can talk yeah virtually down to every single one that I've met with one exception and even that well anyway they want they are motivated and they want to parent and they want to be good parents to their children i think men have just as profound and powerful a parenting instinct as women do um but there's a hugely different social uh uh apparatus behind the idea of fathering than there is of the idea of mothering and the idea of men's dedication and the idea of women's dedication to their children. And so these guys, you know, they, they are insecure very mm -hmm. often. By the way, I'm going to talk a lot of generalities about, about populations. And I by no means mean to insinuate that everybody in a certain population is such, such yeah. right? There's exceptions. There's all kinds variation in every population so i'm not i'm just talking generalities things that i've seen in my in my work yeah and um that includes like a, a real kind of a deep insecurity like a man i think generally men understand that as a as a woman gets into a pregnancy and her body changes and her and uh, that that she's way more attached to it right i yeah. mean physically it's just a much more tactile like bodyality right and so yeah. he feels maybe that distance that might make him uncomfortable in the fact that he was never asked to babysit when he was a teenager most mm -hmm. likely right yeah nobody gave him dolls when he was a kid to play with right he didn't get all these messages throughout his growing up about his role as a nurturer and a caretaker right in yeah. fact if he's been watching any media, which he has, right, he's actually gotten some messages about what a bumbling dork he is mm -hmm. at best as a caretaker, right? All the commercials we see dad just being kind of an idiot and everybody pointing their fingers and laughing, but he's a lovable, nice guy. So that's cool, right? Yeah. But it doesn't reveal like the intense engagement that parenting really involves. So, so all these factors sort of control think to an insecurity and a fear like I don't know how well I'm going to do this job which both parents have mm -hmm. but also you know the relationships with most young families between mom and dad are not super well developed you know they're young people most of us can remember back in our late teens early 20s how well we functioned in our intimate relationships right yeah or yeah. not you know hmm. um and so it's it, there's just a whole bunch of challenges and plus you know on top of all that it's also generally true that uh, a significant proportion of the very young dads come from very challenging social circumstances economic circumstances so that's yeah. a whole bunch of things to deal with right meanwhile yes. they have you know uh, all the teen parent programs, most teen parent programs would be happy to welcome dads, mm -hmm. I believe, right? But they don't do it well. They don't do it explicitly for one. Mm -hmm. And you know, who's at the who's at the classroom where the teen parents are? It's 
moms and women that run the program. So the young men don't necessarily feel like that's their space mm. or that they're safe there, right? Like they're, you yeah. know. So at any rate, um, these guys have all these challenges and yet I've seen, I've seen dudes uh, absolutely devoted and, and go through some of the most egregious sort of uh, discouragement, even from their own family, you know, who's, who are afraid for them, you know, yeah. and they stick through it and they do their best, even, you know, without the knowledge of how the court system could work, at least to support their fathering, you know, and they're afraid of the court system yeah. for lots of good reasons and all those horror stories that they hear, right? And yeah. yet, and yet, you know, they're, they're doing their best to try and stay connected with mom and ask for time. And, and they come to us and they talk to us about uh, the challenges of, of uh, understanding what's going on developmentally with their kid and how they're supposed to respond and react. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, and I have too many stories about guys that push through these challenges and parent their children to even it's hard to even focus on one. Yeah, no, I agree with you a bunch too on all that. Um, I can't even imagine being a young father and just the the way society looks at them. You know, the ex the low yeah. expectations that they have of these young fathers. Perfectly you know what I mean? stated. And that that's just adds to it's just fuel to the fire to an already challenging situation that these young dads are already going through. That's right. Low expectations are really, really dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you keep hearing that you're not going to do something from everybody around you, then the truth is, is you might not do it, even if it's something you really want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you're already kind of set up for failure, I guess, because they're, they're speaking that over you. They're speaking that into your life. You know what I mean? Yes. And, well uh, and, and it takes an exceptional person to really block that out and say, Hey, I don't care what odds are against me. I don't care how the cards are stacked against me. I'm going to do what I need to do yeah. to be a committed, engaged, responsible dad. Now, Johnny, I want to ask you, what are some of the disadvantages that these young fathers face? Uh, well, for one, it, and, and by the way, just to be clear, Fathers New Mexico works with any dad that requests support right so yeah. we don't we and we have lots of older guys that that work with us but i just want to be clear about that yeah. but when we're specifically talking about the the younger dads i think that um necessary lack of sophistication about how things work you know mm -hmm. when you're 17 you don't you don't know probably yeah. even that there is a distinction between family court domestic violence court civil regular civil courtrooms and, and the criminal court right i yeah. mean not like our civics lessons are really well developed and doing real well right yeah you don't know that and 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 everything you've heard about child support is a scare story about about um people being driven into debt and let's be real those things happen yeah but really child support for most families works out for most hmm. families it's fine right whether it be through the child support enforcement division which hopefully they'll change the name of um, or whether it's just something that the parents work out between them and their parenting plan, mm -hmm. right? 
But these young guys don't know about this. So they hear horror story after horror story about how men as fathers are disrespected in the courts and disrespected within the child support enforcement division. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, they get all the messages you just referenced. Everybody just assuming that they don't have it in them to do a good job and to step up and, and uh, parent this child. Mm -hmm. right? So those are enormous disadvantages. Oh, absolutely. Especially being like a young father in his teens, you know, obviously you're still going to have a lot of peer pressure from your friends wanting you to go out, telling you to leave, you know, don't do that. You know, you still got a party and stuff like that. that how happen. do you, how does those pessimistic views, right? Affect the views of their fatherhood? Yeah, it's, I think it has a profound impact. I mean, I've watched a lot of guys rise above their, their, the demands of their peers, but you know, let's all remember, do our best to remember what it was like at that age. Yeah. I mean, if we're honest, most of us can acknowledge that, that it was really, really difficult to go against the current, right? To be yeah. that salmon swimming against against the flow of the river, which is your peers when, when man, your peers are the vital element in your life. Absolutely. So it's tough. It's mm -hmm. tough. And I also, by the way, I meet guys, we've worked with guys who's, who have brothers, as they would probably mostly call them, in, that are supporting their parenting and helping. Mm. So it's not all negative either. Yeah, no, that, and that's, that's, that's really awesome to see that. I, uh, my father, you know, he was, he became a father when he was 17, I believe. My mother was oh, wow. 16 and uh, they were pregnant with twins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and, and I still remember some of the stories he was telling me about how his friends would try to take him out. You know, they would, they would, uh, you know, tell him to put his clothes in a, in a car outside. So he'd have to jump off a second story so he can go out and party with his friends and stuff uh, like that. Uh -huh. Once, you know what I mean? Just different little stories like that. You know what I mean? And I try to put myself in his shoes at that age. And I'm like, man, I don't, I don't know how I would have done that. You know, oh, I, mean? I think the whole world is fortunate that I didn't become a parent at 17. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say it. No. You know, and who knows? Maybe I would have, you know, because I see a lot of guys that the first time you look at them, you're like, oh, you know, you learn a little bit about his life and you're like, oh, man, this is going to mm -hmm. be rough. And, you know, and he yeah. does what needs to be done. And that's that's a crazy thing is because a lot of these what I'm seeing is a lot of these young fathers, right? They didn't come from a good childhood. Many you don't. Know, upbringing, you know, like prime example, my dad left the house at 15, okay? Oh, wow. So he was out of the house, you know what I mean? And uh, he didn't have a dad around. And yet, even though his father wasn't a profound influence in his life, he chose to be a father who was engaged and committed and responsible. I'm not saying he was perfect. I'm not saying that at no. all. By any means, no one's and none perfect. of us are. No, but he was able to stay there when society and his peers and uh, negative pressures and all that told him, hey, you know, just leave. Just leave her. Yeah. You know what I mean? He stayed there. And he did what he could to provide for his family. And nice. I got, I got to give my dad a, 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 you know, hats off props for that, because that, that takes a man. I mean, yeah. that really does. And for all the other fathers out there who, you know, this is going to help. I mean, that takes a man. I mean, 17 year old father, you know what I mean? Wow. That's, that's, wow. That's amazing. You know? Yeah. 
I've yeah. worked with three young mm -hmm. men who became, uh, well, two young men who became fathers before they turned 14. Mm -hmm. One wow. who, you know, his, his uh, girlfriend was pregnant when, when he was 13. So, I mean, we picked this kind of random 17 year old yeah. age, but I mean, yeah. It's happening. <laughs> Imagine being that age. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's, man, they say that your, your frontal lobe, which you make these cognitive decisions with, isn't even developed until yep. you're, I think the age of 23. You yeah. Know? Probably more like 28, but yeah. 28, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't remember. I've heard so many different, uh, you know, age differences and stuff. No, but like that, it's but, all a continuum, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But man, 14 years old, it's like, Wow. <laughs> the way one of those guys was real early. And the last time I saw him, he was six. He was in his mid to late 20s. His mm -hmm. kid was 13. Wow. Right? Same age as he was. And he looks at me and he's like, I could be a grandfather. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah wow technically that is accurate man how are you feeling he's like i don't think i'm gonna be a grandfather why because he stuck it out mm -hmm. there was a whole bunch of conflict a whole bunch of reasons why he could have backed out of that situation and they would mom would have let him go probably oh, right yeah. without too much or you know what i mean yeah yeah he didn't he didn't he stuck in there and he he should have been proud for that and for the child that he was raising. Absolutely. With that being said, Johnny, how do you develop these young fathers or fathers in general who come to your, to your organization? How do you help them develop positive keystone habits to promote yeah. father engagement? Yeah, it, well, really, uh, the first step is to help that young man trust us, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you know, you, men aren't inclined to go asking for help to begin yeah. with. Let's face it, right? This yeah. is one of uh, the mo modern masculine attributes that I would say is not an attribute, <laughs> right? right. We're supposed to be able to do everything on our own and independently. And I mean, we don't, that's not even real. None of us do. Um, but when you're a young man, you're more kind of calcified in, in these characteristics of what you think is expected of you so we really need to build trust with them first so we start with what are your needs what do you want right? yeah. what do you, what is your vision of fatherhood we're talking because you're a dad yeah or a or B. what do you want that to look like you know and exploring that helps us to learn a little bit of, about expectations you know do they have super low expectations of their themselves you know is that because they just don't believe in themselves or is that because they you know everybody's telling them um and so it, it really depends on the guy mm -hmm. right now obviously once we have developed a relationship and we have a little bit of trust we are looking at the whole picture all along and hopefully if we see you know some things like you know maybe there's he has a habit of being around his kid, but not taking the kid out of the, out of the carry case, you know, the, the car seat yeah, uh, and holding the child 
or or maybe he just sort of lets mom because she does it all, do all the diaper changing and putting to bed at night and and you know the sort of task oriented stuff of being a parent mm-hmm. then we we definitely try to encourage guys to uh to practice all kinds of parenting mm-hmm. you know i mean if mom's breastfeeding exclusively perhaps she'll let you she'll pump and let you do some feeding because it's a really deep bonding experience to be able to do that with your infant child, right? Yeah. With putting them to bed, by the way, it can be real frustrating, but that's good practice for you. You know, you're going to have lots of frustrations as a parent. So yeah, yeah, you know, let's, let's try to practice some of that. If it's super, super frustrating and you don't feel like you can get through it without inappropriate anger or whatever, then that's what, then we can start talking about that. Another key element we like to work on with almost every guy is communication strategies. Hmm. And these are communication strategies that, you know, initial, our initial focus is how do you communicate with your child, whether they talk or not yet, so that you can learn what their needs are and how you can fill their, fulfill their needs. Hmm. Everything from developmental needs to the obvious, like they need to eat and they need to go to sleep and things like this. Hmm. But so communication strategies, but those also work for, well, what about how you, are you talking with your partner? You know, how do you guys argue? And if you're not partnered with mom, you know, how do you co-parent in a separate situation? Right. Mm -hmm. By the way, I think of all co-parenting, all parenting with another person is co-parenting, regardless of whether you live in the same house, because you're going to have different ideas. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Right. So how do you do that? And how do you communicate about it? Because it's some of the it's some of the most sensitive stuff that we deal with, mm-hmm. right? So yes. communication stuff, and then you know, a lot of guys, it's it's really like how how do I do this old role that's still very important, which is mm-hmm. providing for, right? Yeah. Of course, the modern family they're not the only one in the house doing that typically. No. Uh, and in fact, that really for most people that was never true. You know, we have this like 1950s version for us folks that maybe came from that part of society where one parent worked and the other parent stayed at home, but not, you know, that that wasn't typical of all American families during that time any more than it is today. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, and I think, too, it kind of uh, falls on uh, career choices, you know, like prime example, me, you know, my wife was very fortunate enough to be able to stay home and raise all our children, right? Our three children. Right. Um, and it was because of the career that I had taken upon, you know, but yeah, so you're able to cover all those expenses. It sounds like that's awesome. Yeah. But at the same token, there's a price for that too. Cause mm-hmm. now I'm out of the house away in another state providing for my family. And that is a right. whole different you know, list of problems that can happen from being a father who's not even being at his home to be able to Operation. be intentional, you know what I mean, with them. Not to mention, I'm sure that there was some impact on the communication with your partner, which oh. then relates to how both of you are relating to the kids. Even if you try to keep that separate, you know, you can't mm-hmm. 100% isolate them from what's going on in your relationship. Nope, exactly. And they got us, you know, in prime example, you know, just to touch on that. When I came home from working out of state, you know, I did a very dangerous job. 
I'd come home. I think I'd be celebrated because daddy, you know, the hero, he's, he's putting his life on the line, all that stuff. No, they just tolerated me because dad's way of parenting was completely different with them from my wife's, you know what I mean? So that caused a very chaotic uh, environment for my children. Yeah. I can totally appreciate that because all of a sudden you're there Mm -hmm. and everything has to change. Exactly. Even though you could be doing absolutely nothing wrong, Mm-hmm. but it's still upsetting for, for the kids and, and they have to adjust and there's probably a degree of resentment. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? And I always liken it to say, you know, I was, I wasn't celebrated. I was tolerated, you know? And uh, one of the other things too, is that, uh, you know, my, my wife would always tell me, you know, you're in work mode. When you come home, you can't be that way, you know? <laughs> yeah. I went through a phase of that, David, that that was obviously a different circumstance. I wasn't gone for long periods of time, but I definitely uh, dealt with a phase where I was so wrapped up in this career thing on that at home, Mm -hmm. I I couldn't, well, maybe not that I couldn't. I didn't do what I needed to do to get to a space where I could really be with the kids and Mm -hmm. and my wife. so yeah, I, I can really appreciate that. And, and it's interesting. I see this a lot with, with uh, young men who are clearly under or unemployed. Yeah. And they're really, really having a difficult time contributing and, and, and making ends meet. And it's so all encompassing. Mm-hmm. And the fear and the feelings of, of um, I'm not good enough and all these, these things. Mm-hmm. are so distracting that they are in a similar position. They're really not connecting with their family. because that, Yeah, exactly. And you hit the nail right in the head when you said that, because even for me, you know, I, I have a, a, a degree in computer networking. Okay. I also served in the military. Um, when I was working here with computers, I had to choose, and I had one daughter at the time, I had to choose if I was going to pay the electric bill or mm. I was going to buy diapers. And it, as a man, when you can't provide for your family, because I mean, and I was working a tremendous amount of hours. I just, the computer field was just saturated at the time for what I was doing help desk. And I was making, I think at the time, $16 an hour is what they were paying. Okay. And that that's a lot for having a house, having a car payment, um, you know, having a new baby. Yeah. And, I'm the single father or not single father, but I'm the single source of income for the home. Yeah. Okay. So that drove me to seek a different career, which lo and behold, my whole family are linemen. And I, I went into that career, which paid off tremendously. I mean, it was a tremendous blessing, but like I said, yeah. you know, all that glitters is not gold. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yes. I saw that firsthand, you know, when my kids started becoming strange for me, you know, my wife was telling me that I'm dating my husband and here uh, in this mindset, I'm thinking to myself, I'm providing for my family. I'm creating a better yeah. life. But was I really, you know what I mean? Yeah. So and it's really hard in that yeah. situation when you're straining and stressing to meet what you think are your obligations, do what you think you should be doing in that moment mm-hmm. to have folks come into you and 
expressing that they have a problem with mm. how you are in that they you know it's really hard to step back and say wow okay i hear you you're mm -hmm. right you know i mean what's our inclination in those situations hmm. to get right. offensive right no oh, yeah and that's human that's not men that's human um and but you know that's also where barriers in relationships start getting built hmm. right and and sometimes it goes for long enough where there's no healing hmm. well i don't believe there's no healing but it, it like a real long road back oh yeah definitely <laughs> speaking of barriers what kind of barriers would a young father might face today well we've touched on a bunch i'd like to get into some of the sort of institutional barriers mm, okay. um I'm going to give you an example from my experience. Yeah. When I was uh, back in 98, I told you my daughter was born mm -hmm. and her mom and I had gotten uh, friendly again and we're talking and very cordial and co-parenting respect, all that. So we, she was going to deliver and we went into the hospital and we were in the delivery room and everything was going great. Everything was fine. And there was a little calm in the storm, so to speak. And I walked over to who's clearly the, like the nurse in charge. And I'm like, hey, uh, I want to find out about this acknowledgement of paternity form. And like, what's, what's all that ab about? Someone told me I could ask you about it. The woman, honest to God, turned to me and said, what are you worried about? You're going to be gone in six months anyway. Wow. Now, that obviously is an extreme story mm -hmm. of a totally inappropriate and out of line individual person in a system, but mm -hmm. something about the system gave her enough confidence that she could say something that egregious and not pay a price for it, right? Mm -hmm. So that, and and I hear those kinds of things in other much more subtle and in less insensitive ways, whatever. Like when I talk to teen parent programs where they're working with teen, and I want them to, yeah, please do. And I say, you know, there's no dads here. Well, they're not interested. Hmm. You know, just because there's a zero in the data when you're only asking one question, are you here or not? Are you present or not? And the male column, it's a zero, does not mean there's no interested males. Right, right. You got 18 moms in the program and no dads. That is absolute proof. The data proves that you are efficient in your work with. It is not proof of the dads not caring. There aren't 18 out of 18 dads that don't care. Hmm. Right? So. Yeah. So I hear people all the time misinterpret the data, right? Uh, fortunately, in the state of New Mexico, most of the home visiting programs I've talked to, mm -hmm. like they're aware that they're not serving dads. They're not putting that on the dads. Oh, the dads don't show up. They're saying, no, 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 we're not, we're not serving them. We don't know how to reach them. We don't know how to engage them. Mm -hmm. Much more healthy question, right? Yes. And it doesn't assume that the dads aren't caring. So that assumption that so many people make about the dad's not caring is a critical underlying um, disadvantage across the fatherhood spectrum. And, you know, so 
we all know it's a biological fact. Mm-hmm. It's not law or culture. It's a biological fact that we don't know for a fact when a baby comes out who the dad is. We know who the mom is, right? We, yeah. She, she just gave birth. It's pretty clear. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but we don't know, you know? If, I mean, if we're in a relationship with a woman as a man and we're real confident about that relationship and, and you know, baby's born and we think that's our baby and we believe that and, you know, great, cool. You're, yeah. You know, 99.9% of those guys are right. <laughs> it actually is their child, right? And yeah. Fantastic. Raise it up. Um, so that's just a fact, right? I'm not mad about that in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, but at times it can be very, very difficult for fathers to mm. get paternity, right? There are moms that would just prefer to go about on their own, raising a child and try. It's not common. There's not a lot of moms that want to, to keep dad out of the picture, but there are some. Yeah. And the struggles that a guy has to do to get on the birth certificate more than ought to be. Hmm. Okay. You know, so, so that's another thing. Also, this idea of uh, many ideas of men pervade the family court system. And mm-hmm. it's different in different courtrooms because different judges have different prejudices, right? It's not built into law substantially that fathers have a secondary parenting role, mm-hmm. substantially. But it is built into the system to a significant degree. Mm-hmm. And for example, if a if a woman makes an accusation that's unsubstantiated yeah. about uh, male violence, she is much more likely to uh, be able to get him, for example, to have have supervised visitation with his child instead of just visitation with his child. Hmm. Whereas the same in reverse is absolutely not true, right? Yeah, yeah. But men and women are both violent with their children. Some men are violent with their children and some women are violent with their children. Yes. It's never okay. Nobody's justifying that, mm-hmm. right? But our our courts really need to start looking at parenting in a much more egalitarian way. One of the fastest growing household demographics in the United States today is a father head of household with kids. Hmm. It's, it's, it's relatively small percentage compared to women that single parenting in a home. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's growing. Yeah. I think it's like one in four. Yeah. I think it's like uh, the statistics was like one in four or without a a father in the home or something like that. Well, it changes. I think we, we need to do is stop talking about fatherlessness. Mm -hmm. Um, to the, not stop talking about it entirely, but stop implying that every home by a woman with children has no father involved. Father mm-hmm. may not live there, but many, many fathers are deeply involved in the lives of their children, but do not live in the main house that the kids live in. Mm-hmm. And they're still valuable contributors to their children's lives. They're still doing all kinds of parenting and nurturing and getting kids to activities and feeding them and excuse me doing the things that that parents do and Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately some of the data is pretty skewed in particular my understanding is that 
the data about the African-American father hmm. is, is quite skewed, right? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That, that's interesting that you said that because, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, the data only shows, you know, a father not being in the house, okay? But it never shows that, okay, well, maybe they can't live there because of the situation or whatever, but they're still being engaged. They're still committed. They're still responsible. Yeah. They're still doing the steps that they need to be engaged as a father should be with their children. Yeah. You know, um, another example would be a, a good friend of mine, you know, his previous wife, right? She went ahead and made this egregious claim on him just to keep, to, to hurt him basically. Okay. She said he was violent because he was a professional boxer and stuff like that. So she made this egregious claim against him and the court system, right? They, they sided with the mama. So now, you know, he's doing everything he can to try to be engaged with her. You know, it costs a lot of money, obviously. Um, one of the things I told him to do is just continue to write letters to the son, uh, make, you know, we, we have, you know, technology now make a little video clip saying, Hey, you know what I mean? Happy birthday on his birthday, whatever, and save that. So when there is a time when that kid wants to come to his father and say, Hey, why weren't you here for me? He can be like, here's yeah. the proof, bro. You know what I mean? I was, I did everything I could, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah. And I, I mean, it is, I, I want to be fair. Like it is relatively rare that I see men without any justification separated from their children for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. But it is, it is much too common that there are periods of separation or compelled supervised visitation when those things are absolutely not necessary mm -hmm. because of an accusation that's been made. Yes, exactly. Especially when it's made out of a, you know, because the parents are jaded with each other or whatever. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Which is where it usually comes from. Yeah, it, exactly. And the only person that suffers there really is the children. The children. Well, no, I mean, the dads suffer. Yeah, they suffer. Yeah. Being separated from your kid, especially when you're not sure if it's going to be permanent, mm -hmm. it, it's terrifying. Oh, And yeah. I've worked, unfortunately, with way too many dads that have had that experience. And really, yeah, that's a rough time. Fortunately, no. most of them are able to work through that and get to a more sane and reasonable spot where they're able to at least maintain and conduct the relationship with their child. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Going on, I wanted to ask you, Johnny, how do you identify a model father? <laughs> wow. <laughs> like someone That's who's great overcome things. great odds to be involved, responsible, committed in their, in their children's lives. Well, and that's where it starts, David, is right there. Mm -hmm. You want to, you want to be a model father one day, just start with that involved, devoted, you know, and, and get over some of the stuff. I, I mean, you know, most males naturally are physically affectionate and loving with their kids, but a lot of guys have some reservations around that. Right. Oh yeah. And you know, there's, there's the whole uh, body of research now about the value of skin to skin contact. Yes. Yes. To infants. Right. Mm -hmm. Hippy dippy though. It may sound to some folks, man, it's pretty undeniable at this point. So, you know, take off your shirt, walk around the house with your kids, sit on the couch with your kid, try to get mom to pump if she will. If, if you're formula feeding, then boom, you got it. But 
Uh, I mean, I, I advocate breastfeeding. It's the most healthy, you know, thing, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know, that's a personal choice as well. I recognize that. And, um, and you know, if you, can, if you can pump and dad can feed, so that kind of devotion and that sort of touching mm-hmm. and, um, and, and play, this is the, the you know, in general, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Play is what dads do best. And play is work too. It's just fun work. So why not? Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and, and do it, get into it, get into the world that that kid is creating, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, starting there really is any man that starts there with that devotion and that willingness to, to hold and be nurturing and affectionate and really explore Mm-hmm. who this child is not assume they need to be mini me or whatever yeah explore who they are let them be you know unique or whatever or have a skill set that you wouldn't have predicted or whatever just have fun with that stuff if you're doing that mm-hmm. then you're going to be a model father and model fathers come in all shapes and sizes and, and all kinds of tendencies right yes. some of them are really into sports and being involved with physical activities with their kids and that's great that's good stuff you know mm-hmm. some of them i mean i don't know you might for whatever reason be into like movie makeup you know or something and you can do like weird makeup special effects with the kids and do halloween be your big thing every year you know yeah I mean, what what does a model father look like it looks like a man being himself powerfully secure in his ability to be himself while he's investigating who this child is. Hmm. And regardless of relationship with mom, he's respecting her and he's showing his child what respect looks like. He's showing his child how you deal with adversity without bringing other people down with you. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, that, that's awesome that you I said that, Johnny. <laughs> oh, no, that's so awesome, Johnny. Um, here at the Show Up Dad Foundation, we try to find these fathers, right? We call them positive deviant fathers, okay? These positive are- deviant fathers. Yeah, and it's kind of like an oxymoron. But what it is, is these fathers who any given day on a level playing field, they came from the same area, you know, same background, same whatever. You know what I mean? They all had the same cards thrown at them. These positive deviant fathers were the ones who overcame all those great obstacles, all those great barriers to become a better, more committed, responsible father. And we try to find those. And those are our model fathers. That way we try to help them share with other fathers because fathers don't want to be told what they're doing. I know I didn't. I don't want to be told that I was doing wrong. I wasn't being a a father who was engaged and stuff like that. It's hard, you know, whether it be pride or ego or whatever. But if, but if you have a father who's been through a similar thing and he can reach you on a personal level and be like, look, dude, I was doing exactly what you're doing. And this is what I was causing. And this is how I overcame it. Here's some steps, put it in your toolbox. You know, I know the, the show up that is based around blue collar fathers, right? Yeah. So we always try to reference everything to our toolbox. Okay. And at the show up dad, we try to give as much value to our listeners as much as possible. So they could take that and put it in their toolbox to be yeah. able to utilize it, to become, you know, to overcome these, these similar barriers that 
these positive deviant fathers have come through. Do you ever utilize fathers like that? Or do you ever try to find fathers who have overcome these great odds to try oh. to be a peer or a, a role model to these younger fathers? Yeah. Actually, part of our program is, mm -hmm. is really about building a community okay. of dads, right? Who can yeah. talk to each other. Like for example, we have groups, right? Mm -hmm. We used to meet in person and share food and sit together and talk. And, and, you know, I may be referred to as one of the group facilitators, you know, but yeah. facilitation is about encouraging them to have their conversations. Mm. You know what I'm saying? It's not about, okay, Hey, today I have this curriculum to present to you. Mm -hmm. Right. I might bring ideas about like a topic. Let's, you know, let's, let's pick communication as an example. Yeah. Right. And I've got some strategies that I can talk about, but let's talk about where, what, what's relevant in your life right now. And these guys are talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And we really encourage the guys we work with, you know, you are a leader in your community in mm -hmm. some way, shape or form. Yes. What does that leadership look like to you? What do you want to convey? And we try to teach that leadership is more about listening than anything else. Absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. Paying attention observing, listening. That's the way you get a picture about what's really going on as opposed to just that first impression. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we really encourage them to do that. We encourage them to mentor each other, but we also encourage guys, you know, back before pandemic time, there were a lot of professional conferences happening around early childhood and these kinds of, uh, and what they call maternal and child health. Mm -hmm. distinctly leaving out the paternal, I would like to point out. <laughs> and I'm all about maternal health. Please, let's give our moms all the health care that they need to have healthy babies and let's help, the, you know, let's provide services. Let's do all that. Absolutely. Yes. But we need to stop forgetting the paternal side of that. Absolutely. Right? And so that's what we would do. We would go to these conferences. Sometimes we'd be given a workshop and we'd have a pet. And it's not, again, it's not me standing in front with a microphone, right? Yeah. I might facilitate a Q&A, but it's five or six dads on a panel, young guys that are talking about their experiences, which is far more valuable than my impressions of their experience. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Um, Johnny, you have this project that's going on. It's called the Future Man Project. Can you elaborate right. on that and talk a little bit about that? Cool. Yeah, that was uh, interesting. Um, when Barry was still the executive director and thinking about leaving, he was known in the Santa Fe public schools as kind of the, you know, guy who works with the dads or the men. Right. Mm -hmm. And so someone approached him from a middle school and said, Hey, can you, we'd like, we have all these services for the girls in our middle school and we have some guys that we feel could use some support. Can you do something? So we, we came all came together and um, actually I wasn't very much involved with this, mm -hmm. but um, uh, anyway, because I was down here in Albuquerque, but they came together and they developed the Future Men Project, which is small groups with, uh, throughout the school year. The uh, school personnel, the uh, communities and schools and the counselors and those folks identify guys that are struggling, either, you know, they're underperforming academically or they're not showing up at school or, or they have some behavioral challenges that have been identified, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. And we get a small group of them around 10 and meet with them once a week as a group throughout the school year 
at the end of the school year, it, it, um, we have them do uh, some kind of service learning project to give back to their community a little bit. Uh -huh. That can be small or big. They can do it in pairs or as a whole group or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But they learn a little bit about service. And meanwhile, throughout the course of the, of the year, they, they explore ideas of masculinity. Well, mm -hmm. you know, what is manhood, you know? They talk about relationships and relationship skills and, and the idea of respect and what that looks like in different situations. They talk mm -hmm. about uh, sexual health content, right? Like if, yeah. if you are going to decide to be sexually active in the next few years, you know, what, what do you know about how to do that so that the outcomes support you uh, instead of create more challenges in your life? contraception for example right they should yeah. know about that stuff we only we really only focus on girls when we talk about that stuff that doesn't make any sense mm -hmm. right and also you know what is respect in relationship you know that's gonna that's gonna lead to more uh positive outcomes uh than the lack of respect in relationships mm -hmm. right yeah so that's the kind of program that it is hmm. see that's Was that's that interesting yeah that's that that's perfect brother um the reason why I asked you that is because it leads into this next question, which is how do you implement positive masculinity into your program and what are the results? Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, it's really a, about talking about what people believe masculinity is, mm -hmm. right? You know, if you identify as a man and you want to be a man and, and it is a man that is a father, and what does all that mean? really those conversations about that are are the richest field for good growth mm -hmm. right and and yeah. let, let's be honest most of the guys the first things they talk about are uh, providing for their child is definitely up there right yeah. which would be probably what you'd expect a traditional answer to what is a dad but they also talk about just having good relationships with their kids, being able to support their kids through difficult times that eventually will come, right? Yeah. And, and, and they talk about how important it is to respect their kid's mother and regardless of the relationship. Mm -hmm. so, so, you know, it, really, it takes them a while, the ones that are kind of maybe attached to some of the more negative male expectations that we have of ourselves like don't ask for help yeah right um it takes them a while to even actually recognize that in themselves mm -hmm. like wow oh yeah i did sort of ignore you the first five times you came up and asked me if i was a dad and do you know about our program and we'd love to you know support you at your pace you you know whatever and he's like i did ignore you the first few times and i did that because i didn't think it was cool i didn't think it was the right you know that that a man should connect but that's not usually stuff that they when you ask them like about manhood that's not the first stuff out of their mouth you know they have positive ideas of what being a man is mm -hmm. you know and woven in is some of these like less positive aspects you know there's the there's still a definite dominant vein that violence can be a solution to problems, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, it, it's there mm -hmm. um, almost exclusively attached to 
other men that might threaten, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and also too, I think our uh, our society, you know, it's it's really attacked men, like we were talking about earlier. Um, some of the negative light that they put on fathers, you know, one of the examples would be Homer Simpson. You know, they show this father who's completely clueless. He's an oaf. He's overweight. You know what I mean? He's right. He's just this guy who's just beer a mess. And donuts. Yeah, beer and donuts, and you know that's kind of the stigma that they put on fathers. When reality, you know, that's that's you know, in in some cases that might be true. I'm not saying that yeah. that that doesn't happen, but you know, that's not a a, a positive light that we want to show fathers and you know what I mean we want to show fathers in a good light that way these these young men can be like okay I want to identify with that yeah you know what I mean that way they're not running away from that and then they're going to this opposite edge of the spectrum to where I don't want to be like this so I'm going to go to this you know which society's deemed toxic masculinity and be an abusive person be a person who drinks who isn't a real you know like lack of better words when when i went through the trade one of the things they told me is you're not a real lineman until you have a divorce you know what i mean and that's the masculinity that's the the culture that we're in and the swagger associated with those kinds of trials exactly Uh, yeah yeah that's really interesting stuff, David. And I think, uh, I, I think our social, you know, c- main means of communicating socially about parenthood are mm-hmm. really continuing to undermine the potential of families in general, but fathers yes. specifically. Like just, you know, your Homer Simpson example is a perfect one. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how many Super Bowl ads had a bumbling dad this year? <laughs> right. I couldn't watch the whole game, to be honest. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty painful, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's it's in the, in the sitcoms and, the you know, everything. And, and those are not typical dads. No. Like typical dads actually stop to think and wonder, what's the best thing for my kid? This thing that's going on now is hard. I I don't know how to figure it out, but I'm going to spend some time thinking about it. Are they 100% perfect in what they come up with? No, because none of us are, but they're not just blindly without any thought bumbling through their day. And, and, you know, uh, that's Mm -hmm. not even real, but that's the image. Yeah. That's the image that they they're trying to convey and people are buying into it. That's oh, the yeah. sad part. You know what I mean? People are, are buying into it. Um, People even aspire to it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, it's cool to, to be this guy with his gut hanging out, sitting on the couch, drinking beer, not doing anything, totally disengaged. You know what I mean? And no offense to them. Some of those fathers may be great. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. You know, what I mean? <laughs> it might be a, the greatest dad ever. Yeah. But what are you really conveying to your children? Because they watch you. We know that, right? As fathers, are watching. we are role models. So yeah. when we're showing that message to our children that, hey, it's okay to just, you know, consume alcohol like crazy, sit on the couch, do nothing, you know, don't even care about your personal hygiene or health. What kind of <laughs> message are we really showing to our children? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because our job doesn't, doesn't stop as a, a, as just a provider or, or a protector at the home, you know, there's so much more to it. 
You know what I mean? No, I'll tell you some of the most profound lessons I learned as a kid were not even spoken by anybody. Like my mom got, so I told you I was adopted, right? My mom and dad divorced when I was, I don't know, eight, something like that. My mom got remarried to uh, a man who I consider my father, wonderful human being, absolutely amazing man. Uh, when they got married, they were both very, very conscientious about their dating and how they got married. They didn't spend the night at, at each other's houses with the kids, you know, which I'm not necessarily judging that as bad, but mm -hmm. they were very particular about the decisions that they made about how they were dating. And then when they got married and then when they began their marital relationship. And I remember we moved into his house and every day, and it was traditional household. He went to work, mom stayed at home, um, which we hadn't had for a while, right? Cause my mom had been divorced and been working and whatever. Mm -hmm. he, he would come home every day the two of them would go into their room. Now, of course, sometimes they were getting some funky parent hanky panky. Good, good for them, right? Which yeah. I didn't want to hear about then. I promise you, I was a lot. <laughs> Don't tell me about that. And they weren't, but they they went no matter what into that room. And as I learned, you know, watching that, going, that's just what like they were doing that for the for the purpose of helping him come down off of his day at work. He had a high stress job and re-engaged with his family. He started with his wife and his wife helped him to do that. I mean, mm. they never explained that to us. Yeah. We watched it though. And us kids, we talked about it like, what? You know, <laughs> and then we realized what it was all about hmm. as we got older. Hmm. That's interesting that, that you said that because, uh, you know, um, I've talked to other fathers who say, you know, cause of the stress from jobs, right? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of these guys have to drive. They got, they call it decompressing, right. Coming from work. So their wives will help them decompress on the road while they're driving home. So by I heard the, that episode. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty awesome, you know, and that's, that's almost the, the same thing too. You know what I mean? Helping her husband decompress from the daily stress by, you know, going in there and, you know, taking out some, you know, stress. <laughs> yeah. 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 Whether it's making love or, or talking it, talking him down or her down. Cause you know, oftentimes now mom is making more money than dad uh, or maybe in a more high stress position. So either one, or maybe it's not even work, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe just... our partner went to her, their parents' house and things are stressful over there and it's family and they need to come home to this family and kind of reset. Mm, I like that reset. Exactly. Now that's pretty awesome. Now, Johnny, I'd like to ask you one last question, brother. Awesome. Okay. Say you ran into yourself 15 years back. What advice would you give? And what would you say to yourself? <sighs> oh, I would, you know, you are not super important in the ways you think you are super important. Hmm. Yes, at that time, you know, I was, I was making most of the money, my wife working very little. So I was, I slipped into the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew better and slipped into the same thing. And the job I had for a period of time was, it was stressful. Hmm. And it was hard for me. 
to not be stressed. So yeah, I would say you're not important. I mean, that it, it's not like that doesn't matter, but you're not important as a father for that reason, hmm. right? So come home and find who you are at home every day and, hmm. and be who you want to be at home every day. Hmm. And I, I think that's so important that you touched on that, Johnny, because a lot of fathers I've seen, a lot of men in general, wear two hats. They wear the hat that they wear at work, and then they have the hat that they wear at home. And it's so important to be consistent. You know what I mean? You should be this, this the person you are at home should be the person you are at work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the same values that you live by. Mm-hmm. Yeah that's awesome well thank you johnny i thank you for coming on here and and just sharing everything with us and can can you uh, go ahead and tell our audience how they can reach you if they have any questions or anything like that oh, absolutely yeah they can they can uh connect with fathers new mexico at fathersnewmexico.org. they mm-hmm. can call me if there's a if there's a dad out there that wants to connect or someone that wants to donate or whatever you can call me at 505-377 8950. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to hear from folks. Mm. And really honored to be on your show and asked to, to be on this show, David. Thanks very much. Oh, no problem, Johnny. Thank you for just sharing all your wisdom and knowledge you have with our listeners. I know they're going to get a tremendous amount of value out of it. And uh, that's what we're here for. You know, we're, we're here fathers helping fathers. Yeah. You know? So I thank you, you know, have a blessed day, brother. And, uh, I thank you for coming on this show. Great. I enjoyed it. Awesome, brother. Have a great day. Take care.